Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. My dad is my hero. He'll always be there to take your call, and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh, boy. Hey, hey, I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman-Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. (laughs) Today's guest admits he used to be pushy in how he tried to get his message across. My dad says you really have to be hands-on to set the right example. If you want to motivate and inspire people, you have to have a battle with yourself first. Lewis Huckstep, welcome. Hello. Hello. You know, a friend of mine just messaged me. He's an acquaintance right before this. And he said, I haven't won much in a while. I could use some positivity. I'm feeling very low. What's interesting is I like to pay attention to events that happened around each other. And I'm like, I'm getting ready to speak to a mindset coach. Like, how crazy is that? Do you ever have people send you messages like that? Yeah, I get, oh, not every day, but like some days I'll get two or three of them. Sometimes I'll get one, sometimes I'll get zero. I got one the other day. I get a lot of messages. I message everyone that follows me. So my inbox is normally pretty chock-a-block, but yeah, sometimes I, I get them. I've had people say, life is hard. I want to give up. I'm suicidal. I need help. I'm struggling. Get a lot of relationship stuff. That's probably something I do get a lot of. Like my relationships are really painful. I don't know what to do. My girlfriend just treat, cheated on me. What do I do? Like I get a lot of a lot of relationship stuff, which seems to be something that I attract a lot. So that's interesting. Yeah. And how have you decided what to respond to? Or has that taken your business in any different directions? Has that influenced your content? Definitely influences my content. Well, from my understanding of marketing anyways, is it's the same chocolate bar, just in a different wrapper. So it's like my content doesn't change. Like the, when I say content, there's the social media content, then the product that I, I sell and I the service that I do, that it hasn't changed the service, but it does change some Sometimes I'll, instead of say, we talk about say traumas is something I I work on. And then I'll say, do you get triggered in your relationship? And then, because that will probably be relatable to a lot of people and then tie that back to the same chocolate bar, but it's just a different wrapper. So it's probably influenced the type of videos I make and posts I make in terms of my social media content, but hasn't changed my product or the service too much. When did you start creating content? I've been making content for for seven years plus. So when our live videos first came out, actually, like when you actually couldn't do a live video, this is, I actually haven't thought of this memory in a long time, but when live videos weren't actually on Facebook or whatever, there was like a separate app that you had to do to go live. So before then I was still posting. So yeah, that's about seven and a half years ago. I've been posting content. It just quotes live videos. When live videos came out, I used to go hectic on that when you get heaps of organic reach on Facebook. So I've been making content for a while. And why do you think people should tell their story? Everyone has a story. That alone, I think people should share it. So I guess it's 
it's if they're inspired to do it. Not everyone, like something I subscribe to is the wisest people say the least. So so it's not necessarily, I guess it's just whatever you're inspired to do. It ties into values. We'll probably talk about values on today's podcast. But yeah, it's, uh, if you're inspired to do it and it's, uh, it's something that it, you're drawn to do, do it. If there's if you're only not doing it because there's something holding you back, I would address that. But like some people are super happy, super content. I've got a friend of mine who does very, very well in business and really, really aligned with our beliefs in self-development, but he makes no content. I think the last post he did on Instagram was in 2017 or something. So like super unactive, but he does very well. He owns five different fitness studios. He owns a accounting financial firm or something like that. He owns multiple properties. So he does really well and never posts on social media. So so if you're inspired to do it, by all means, do it and find the way you like doing it. If you want to write a book, if you want to do a, an Instagram post, you want to make a TikTok, obviously there's algorithms and depending on the purpose, if you're trying to obviously build a business and get clients, that's a different conversation. But yeah, if you're inspired to do it, by all means, do it. Yeah, I have an, a friend who's very monetarily successful. Last time I talked to her, she was making like a half a million a year doing real estate and awesome. she doesn't do social media at all, you know? And yeah, I know other people like that too. Like they get all their leads through Google ads. There's lots of ways to do business. That's for sure. Has it led to opportunities that you wouldn't have expected? Opportunities like, such like this, like you found <laughs> through social media. So nothing that I wasn't in pursuit of, like I was in the pursuit of connecting with people. Like my purpose is to improve the consciousness of humanity. And I, I do that through content, through teachings, through services, through workshops, through programs. I'm currently writing a book. I was just doing that before we jumped on this call, actually. So you give me a good break from, from typing. So yeah, so nothing that I wasn't in pursuit of. I like speaking in, li in live. Obviously we can now with COVID, but... I like, I've gone on a couple of speaking opportunities, podcast opportunities, uh, plenty of those. Obviously clients leads to clients. So yeah, not, nothing like that I wasn't wanting to attract. I had the right intentions of what I'm doing. Okay, so let's talk about when you give a speech, what have those been about and what is your book about? So I guess my content from start to finish of, I guess, how, how I help people, what is my service is, is I help people at point A, I always start with figuring out or determining who they authentically are, who is the real version of them. Because before you can go anywhere, you need to know where you are. So removing your mask, removing the facades, getting clear on who they are. What are your values? I always start with that. And then depending on the person, we might do some things for, if I'm working with them one-on-one, -on -one, I might, if they've got an urgent problem, we might address that first, depending what they're coming to me for. But generally we do like in the book and the book is, the book is a written version of what I'm telling to you right now. Then we go through what's your purpose? What's your mission? What's your vision? So purpose is why are you here? What's your, why are you on this planet? Why were you, uh, why were you created type of thing? Mission, what do you want to achieve in the next five to 10 years? Like what's a big, hairy, audacious goal that you want to do in the next five to 10 years to, to materialize that purpose? And then your vision is a really detailed version of your life and what that looks like in five to 10 years, your family, your relationship, your health, your wealth, your, your kids, your travel, your experiences, your relationship. Like I've got a process I go through with that is you expand on your values. So if a high value of yours is family, what does your family look like? If you experiences, what does experiences look like? So you've got that pull instead of the push, the motivational push, you've got you're pulled and drawn to that future. Values, purpose, mission, vision. Then we go through a ton of mental stuff. Could be there is anxiety, there's depression, there's mental limitations. So you might have limiting beliefs. You're not good enough. Um, success is hard. I'm not worthy, whatever it is. Ego, a lot on ego. We go through meditation. What is meditation? The purpose of it, how to do it, how to regulate your emotions, how to heal so heal through wounds or traumas or anything that you've got i guess that hasn't been dissolved yet judgment they're the main ones self-sabotage a lot of the tools tie into other things like there's there'll be specific hey i self-sabotage
self-sabotage. One of the tools I've already said would solve that. So there's kind of like what I believe, I guess the pillars of, I guess, working on yourself mentally and emotionally. And then we wrap that up by we creating your master plan. So what do you, so the five to 10 year goal, what does that now look like in the next 12 months, quarter, month, week, today so we do daily huddles with my team so 8 30 every morning we have a team huddle we get on what are you excited about today what were your outcomes for yesterday done or not done and why weren't they done what are you doing today do you need any support with what you're doing today so you can't make the excuse that you didn't know what you're doing the next huddle and then what are you grateful for today so you take that purpose, then mission, then vision, then values, then into an actionable plan. What are you doing in 12 months? What are your priorities? What are your quarterly priorities? Monthly, weekly, and then what are you doing today? So then you've got direction and clarity on where you're going and why you're getting there with a toolkit of mental and emotional tools to allow you to overcome the challenges and problem that life is going to throw at you, right? They're going to, it's going to throw you stress. It's going to throw you anxiety. It's going to throw you overwhelm. It's going to throw you challenges in your relationship. And if you're equipped with the right consciousness, hence my purpose, if giving people the consciousness and the tools to overcome the shit that's going to show up on pursuit of what they love. So that's what I do. And then depending what people come to me for, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that. And kind of what I said at the start of the podcast, I've had a lot of relationships. I've been coming to relationship therapist, to be honest, but people come to me. I've, I've had clients. One, uh, she owned a, um, a Pilates studio. I come from the fitness industry. I haven't shared that. So I was in the fitness industry for six and a half years. I opened up three bricks and mortar studios at the age of 22. I've sold two of them. I've got one still under management. Um, which runs without me and I, I do this. So I do have sort of the bricks and mortar physical location backgrounds as well. So I can help people in that area as well. Like one person is more business. I had someone who's, whose partner took their own life and they, they were trying to, I guess, heal and let go of that. So we worked through that. I've got someone who is, he's actually a very, I guess, successful in his own right, but a, a singer performer. And he got just, he has a lot of, lot of ego and a lot of pain, a lot of things showing up and really affecting him in his relationship. So again, we just tie into the relationship. It just depends, I guess, why they're coming for, but people will have will be somewhere along that journey or they'll have more pain points than others along that journey that I'll, I guess, address. But that's kind of start to finish what I do. And then I kind of branch out. I don't do a lot of business coaching. The ones I'm confident I can help because I've got a little bit of business runs on the board so I can give them basic business of what I've done. But I definitely don't market myself as a business coach, but I can touch in that if people are, people have the right questions that I can answer. Why did you sell the gems? The detailed version when I opened up the three, it was all out of ego and I was super stretched and I was not doing it in the right way. I, I'm writing a book right now and I say it's um, my egocentric self had 22-year-old three times gym owner on my Instagram bio just to impress people that I didn't know. So it was for the wrong reasons and I was super stretched. Like I was literally, I was living off four to five hours sleep for about 12 months. And I was literally taking classes at one gym in the morning, working all throughout the day, taking classes at the another studio at the other, at the end of the day and and barely profitable. Like, like we we're doing about a million a year in, in revenue, but there was like fuck all profit in it because it's like, you'd rather have one studio doing a million bucks with a bit of profit in there than doing what I was doing. So the first one, I just honestly, I was so stressed, so burnt out had some legal things happening. I was having disagreements with the business partner. That was There was a couple reasons tied into that. And honestly, I just I, I didn't even sell it. I gave it away. I was so stressed. I broke. I remember I had a phone call. We we're trying to sell it and the buyer, we agreed on it, went through all the due diligence and like 
was like a seven day cooling off period and he called me on like day five or something and said like i'm out this is shit it's not what we signed up for and i remember i just broke down in tears i was like fuck what do i do and there was all this stuff happening before then around that living off four hours four to five hours of sleep even than that yeah so i literally just handed my shares away so i built this gym up from we went from i opened up with about 90 members and this is like a functional studio kind of like a fit stop f45 body fit for anyone that kind of knows those brands plc is the brand that i that was in i was so stressed and i, I literally built it up it was profitable we had about 200 members at that at that stage and i was so sure i just gave it away so i just gave away half a gym that i'd built over two or three years i was so fucking like overwhelmed and fish out of water so that was the first reason so it was just a combination of things the other one along my journey like the journey i just shared is i truly believe that we teach the things that our younger self needs the most so i'm my biggest client that's the stuff that i really needed the most and i was chasing goals for the wrong reason and i wasn't listening to the callings that the universe was giving me about what i'm here to do what my purpose is and after selling the first one i'd already started to do like coaching behind the scenes i've always loved coaching i've been drawn to it hence the purpose of it i was running kind of programs taking on clients on the side but i was never able to really dive into it because i was always getting dragged back to the gyms because they weren't run very well back then i was super stretched so the reason i saw the second one is i had a, I had a business partner and it was doing well but she checked out like she had not she didn't want to be there we were 50 50 at that she had checked out and i had to then come down and kind of keep the business alive while we sold it to another buyer but i planned on keeping that if if she didn't check out i probably would would still have that one to this day but she had checked out i had already put my foot in the coaching world and actually building systems building processes building a proper program helping clients running challenges so i'd already committed that's where i'm going and it's like i could have gone back and i could have built this one up again the it was actually my original one that, that i'm talking about the second one that i sold is i could have gone back up and do it it just would have been another six months commitment and i've been doing this for about seven years now and i'm just like this keeps happening i just keep coming back keep coming back keep coming back it's like it's just not worth it to me and my ego was like oh i'm gonna go from three to one gyms i'm a loser i'm a failure i can't do this what are people gonna think of me but rather like you know what this is my calling there's so many lessons here of what not to look for in a business partner what to have what to tolerate how to structure it and we ended up selling that so we actually sold that I actually got some money for that one didn't just hand that one away and so two different reasons but it was just not not taking me in the right direction that my life was trying to tell me to go. What are your thoughts now on turning a passion into a business? Because you were, you were an athlete, you were into sport most of your life. Did that influence your decision in wanting to open a gym? It didn't really influence it. I just context for anyone listening, rugby league was my sport in Australia. And I was contracted when I was 12 till 18 with two separate NRL clubs. When I was 18, when I just started to sort of get into the fitness industry. I was just more drawn to it. I, I got a lot of injuries towards the end of, of my career, my very young career, and I just kind of lost the passion for it. So I guess it didn't, inf- not consciously anyways, I'm sure there was some unconscious stuff happening back then. This is when I was 18, when I just opened the door of self-development. So I was very unconscious back then as well, but I was just doing things that I was, I guess, drawn to do. So I was, because I learning is my second highest value. When I got into learning the stuff that's most important to me about consciousness, about communication, about people, around sales, around energy, around, I guess, living a life that you love and and living an inspired life. When I was getting that fix and my needs met from the gyms and going into the business and self-development over football, that's when I just, it kind of took priority and I just kind of gave up on it and and it wasn't wasn't for me anymore. So yeah, I don't think consciously I did, but I I reckon there was some unconscious stuff happening back there as well. Also, what 
made you believe in yourself? To be honest, that's probably one of my biggest challenges that I've worked really, really hard on is I guess naturally I struggled a lot with self-belief and it was something that you'll generally attract your opposite. So I'm more of your introvert and less a confident person. And all my life, I went to I went to five different schools when I was growing up and I would always attract the extrovert. I would always have like the super loud friend was super confident, even if it was like naive confidence and they were confidently doing something not so smart. I would kind of attract that. So I guess I've always, I've always had hard work there given to me from my dad obviously the name of this podcast and dad has always taught me hard work but I guess something that's been a big healing process with me and my dad is he actually didn't make me feel safe as a young young man or young boy to express myself authentically and that that ties into my passion and my purpose now but it's um that was something I, I really struggled with because I didn't actually feel safe to one be myself but trust myself and be myself so it was something that I struggled with a long time I found I guess refuge in in sport because I was I was I I guess naturally talented at that and I had some good genes with me and that allowed me to do well at sport and my dad it's, it's in the book as well but it's our dad I guess I'd learned to achieve highly would get dad's love that I, that I crave so much so so that was the pattern that I, that I certainly developed but yeah confidence is something that probably honestly last two years is probably when it's come when I've honestly following who I am and that's a lot of I talk about self-worth or self-esteem or confidence comes from expressing who you truly are you'll never be fully confident trying to be number two of someone else so if you've got a mask on or if you're trying to be someone to impress other people you're never you'll have fake confidence when like you'll fool i can't remember say this but you'll you'll trick people that aren't conscious but you'll never fool a winner you'll never trick someone like when i see someone's not okay and they're trying to act okay i can see straight through that shit so i don't think i've really expressed authentic confidence probably only up until maybe two years ago when I actually made that decision. I had to go through the process of selling the gyms to get there, but to give me the space, freedom and resources to do what I want to do. But yeah, that's honestly only come in the last couple of years, I would say authentic confidence. So yeah, it's been quite a journey for me, to be honest. Have you had an honest conversation with your dad? I have. I've had, um, and I, I I like the name of this podcast. I like the purpose around it, but I remember I was in a mastermind and for any business owners, if you want to improve your business, go to Kerwin Ray. He's absolutely fantastic. He changed my life. He's a business mastermind coach in in Australia uh, and really teaches the foundations of of business. Anyways, we're in a mastermind. And for anyone that doesn't understand mastermind, you pretty much got a table of people, different business owners. Some people have been in business 15, 20 years, doing multiple millions of dollars. Some people are quite new. And that that was me. I was one of the freshies. And essentially, they kind of pick you apart. One person goes and um, like say, I was going... I'd say, hey, I'm Lewis. This is my business. This is who I am. These are my challenges. And then you'd have all these people just throwing questions at you, like picking you apart, essentially looking for your weak links. And I remember Matt Trigiari, if you listen to this, he probably will never listen to this, but if he does listen to this, I was sitting down and I was, oh, you can't see my leg, but I've been someone who would always tap my leg and I'd always shake my leg. And I do that a lot. And that's kind of, I was a very anxious kid growing up and I know it ties into that. And he just looked at me and he's like, do you do grounding or do you ground yourself? And I was like, what the fuck? Is that <laughs> like what are you what are you talking about? Is like I want you to read this book. It's called The Way of the Superior Man. That was like a big door opening. And they asked me what was your in my mastermind. I thought and, and this is what you always get what you're ready for, right? So it's my turn for the mastermind. Hey, I'm Lewis. I want to get more sales, more leads. I want to make more money. I want to whatever. They're like, what's your relationship like with your dad? I'm like, fuck. (laughs) Go straight to it. So yeah, so I've had multiple healing conversations with my dad. I teach this stuff. So obviously you got to 
practice what you preach. So I've had many conversations with my dad. There's a lot of pain and hurt that I've experienced through him unconsciously. I I believe everyone's doing the best of what they've got. And he would have been modeling his dad or his upbringing or whatever it is that I guess created who he is today. But yeah, I've had, I've had many healing conversations with dad where I can express, I guess, my perspective upon things that he probably isn't even conscious of. It's like the little things that you don't really realize at school when a very simplistic example, I can relate to this a lot. School was really painful for me when I was young because I, I got diagnosed with Asperger's, wasn't good with people, wasn't good socially, couldn't communicate really well. And ironically, people say it's one of my greatest skills as people that like, say for example, for any parents or anyone listening, it's like you drop your kid off at school day one, first year of prep or school or whatever. And they run in, they're like super scared. They run back out to you like, mom, dad, I don't want to go in there i'm so scared this is i don't want to do this and you get down they say little johnny little bill whatever you're going to be fine go in there go have some fun go enjoy yourself that even though the intent was really pure if from the kid's perspective little bill's eyes if he didn't feel seen if he didn't feel heard if he didn't feel validated if he didn't feel loved that could be traumatic for young bill even though your intention go in there go have some fun you're going to be fine it's part of life right you gotta you gotta enjoy those experiences and work past them just things like that there was a lot of those for me where i didn't feel safe to express myself that i couldn't be my my authentic self as i was talking about before so i've expressed i've had i've had conversations like that with my dad and our relationship is getting better and better it's probably since the last couple of years since going down my own healing route is something that i've put a lot of effort into because honestly and i love the fact that you reached out for me to be on this podcast it's probably it's where my biggest pain has come from which gives me the greatest drive and passion that i have today and something that i teach with my students and my clients is until you can say you're truly grateful for something or someone or something that you've been through until you can say you're grateful for it you haven't let go of it yet so judgment's a spectrum. You could want to kill someone. You hate them. They're the worst thing that ever walked the planet. Or they might just annoy you a little bit. But that's still judgment. So until you can see how that personal situation is on the way, not in the way, and you're not truly grateful for it, you haven't let go of it. So every time I catch myself judging myself, judging my dad, judging my friends, judging my old business partners, judging my, my, my partner, whenever I catch that judgment, it's like, okay, and I've got a healing process that I take clients through and I, I apply it to myself. So yeah, there's been a lot of those self-conversations with myself. And there's been a lot of, not a lot, but some really critical, crucial ones with my dad to, I guess, go through the healing process, which most people don't like doing because it is uncomfortable. It's painful. It can uh, it can be scary, but the treasure is buried where you're not looking. So that I've had a couple of those conversations to answer your question. That's personal development at its best. I mean, I love that you're testing it out. <laughs> How can people start to have those painful conversations, those honest conversations, and really start to heal with people that might not be able to see their perspective? Yeah, it's a great question. And I don't have a perfect answer. And for anyone listening, I'm some 25-year-old person you've never heard of before. So take my thoughts as a grain of salt, right? So I guess what I generally do is I I, I say this a lot, your, your triggers are your gifts. So when you're triggered, I use the cat hair analogy. If, if, I, if I had a cut, if, if anyone watching this video, if I had a cut right here on my hand and I have a cat hair, if I touch that cut, it's going to shock me. It's going to trigger me, right? But if I touch it anywhere else, I'm not really going to feel it. And that wound is a trauma. It's a wound that you haven't healed through. So say, for example, say someone's really insecure about their weight and I go up to you and say, fuck, you're looking fat <laughs> or something like directed straight at their weight that might get them and it might trigger them. So obviously that's a very oblivious and rude example to use. But whenever you're triggered, regardless whether, and again, use that spectrum again, you could get 
anxious, depressed, frustrated, angry, resentful. You could get really, really triggered. That's probably coming from a bigger wound or you could just get annoyed a little bit, a little bit frustrated. So I guess to answer the question of where to start that journey is this is literally the process if you if people want to write pen and paper is write down what triggers you and we'll just think when was the last time you were triggered it literally might have been just before you listened to this podcast when was the last time you were triggered and then the way to do the healing journey and this is a trigger warning for people doing this because some people it's like interval training like you go to the gym for you go train really hard you run for 30 seconds and then you you're burnt out you need to stop you've hit i guess your, your threshold stop recharge, regulate, then go again, you go for 35 seconds and rest, regulate, go again, 40 seconds. So for people that are going to do what I'm about to tell you, if too much emotion comes up where you hit your threshold, just stop, take your time, put awareness on it. Healing comes from awareness, putting awareness on the closet of skeletons or the, or the bag, of, bag of stuff you've been dragging around your whole life. So it can bring up some a lot of emotion. So if it does for you, just pause, take a break and come back to this at a, at a later time. But think of something that triggers you. And then what you want to do is ask yourself, what specifically is triggering you? Because as human beings, we like to paint things certain colors. So say, for example, Renee, uh, you, you do one thing on this podcast and you say something that I find is quite judgmental on this for the first time. I met you, I could paint you that color as a judgmental person. That's and that's who you are, even though it's just the it might have been the one moment your whole day that you did that because something got you. So when people they do that, it's like say someone you meet someone the first time and they're mean to you, you just they're a mean person. That's who they are. They're just mean. Everyone's mean, everyone's nice, everyone's honest, everyone lies. We express all traits. We are we are one, we come from the source, we return to the source. So we we are all connected in some way, shape, or form. So that's my beliefs, anyways. So when someone triggers you don't paint them that color look for specifics i'll use an example along the way as well so say for example i was upstairs in my office working we just moved out so uh literally two days ago in the old house i was working upstairs my partner was downstairs and she yells out and i was trying to do work and she yells out to me and she's like oh it's what and i couldn't hear it i'm like and it, and literally just i'm like what do you want and i like snap back at it and it wasn't like i'm gonna go kill her and have an argument with her but it, it got me and Anyway, so the trait probably was yelling through the house. What action or trait is getting you? And then you say, okay, what's the trait that you're judging? It might be lying, deceitful, mean, conflict, resentment. What's the trait or action or inaction that's triggering you? Then you ask yourself, where's this coming from? What memory, what event, what have I been through that is getting triggered by this? And for me, for that example, my dad and mum used to have arguments through the fucking house. They used to do it. They used to scream at each other through the house. And as a five-year-old, however old I was back then, you can imagine that's quite, um, that's quite painful, uncomfortable for me. So that's triggering that old memory in me. And when you're triggered, I'm getting off track, but I'll loop this all together, I guarantee it. So there's three things. There's a there's a trauma, there's a traumatic reaction, and then there's a trigger. So there's three different things. So the trauma is the event that you go through that creates the trauma or the traumatic experience or the wound, call it what you want. Now, the parts that need to be in that for something to be traumatic is... Uh, fear of overwhelm. So there's levels of overwhelm. You feel very overwhelmed. You feel levels of threat and levels of powerlessness. And again, that's different. <laughs> and you got to remember trauma to a six-year-old is different to a 25-year-old. Like something that you and me might look at and be like, oh, that's nothing. As a six-year-old, that could be fucking terrifying. Like for me, public speaking at school, when you have to do the speeches at school, fucking terrifying. I hated those. But now I'm on a podcast. I do speaks. It's like, it's nothing for me now. But as a six-year-old, I hated that. It was like one of the most painful things. So you got three things. You got the traumatic experience or the trauma itself that you went through. 
the traumatic reaction, when that trauma happened, what do you default to? That could be binge eating. That could be anxiety. That could be disconnecting. That was me. I would disassociate. I would disconnect. I'd shut off silent treatment. That's what I would do. And then you've got the trigger. So what triggers that? So a trigger will be something that reminds you of that original event. So for example, my parents yelling through the house, that was the traumatic event I went through. What do I do? I, For me, I get angry, I get frustrated or I shut off one of the two. And then the trigger was Georgia did it to me. She was like asking if I wanted a fucking tea or something. Like she was actually asking me to help me with something. But the trigger, regardless of her intent, it triggered me, right? Anyway, so what's the trait? So trait, action or inaction. So they might be lying, they might not be polite, or they might be being mean. What specifically is the trait? Then what is that triggering in you? And for me, for that example, my parents used to do that. So then you want to say, what is the benefit of that trait? And that question is fucking hard to answer for a lot of people. My parents abused me. What's the benefits of that? They're going to struggle to answer that. Does that give you mental and emotional strength to help others? Does it give you purpose to help other people with it? Does it give you warning signs or consciousness around what led to that argument or that fight or that abuse? And then you don't allow that energy into your life anymore. I really related to what you just said, because I'm like, why did I go through eating disorders? Is it to help people that have gone through that? Yeah, there's truth in that. And depending how we, we go with that conversation, it's like what triggered that eating disorder. And we only, this is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, but we only ever do anything if there's more benefits to it, consciously or unconsciously. Hmm. There's benefits to being anxious. I can list them out to you. Oh, it totally. Super fucking prepared. When I've got a live, <laughs> a live presentation, I, I ran a free workshop on the weekend. I read over my slides 20 times because oh, I'm like to that too. Prepared. Beautiful. It's like, as a business owner, when I check the, the revenue for the business, I'm like, fuck, it's not where I want it to be. Kicks me into action, makes me take action. So there's benefits to doing that. So yeah, I'm getting a little bit off track. So how to do the healing work, be conscious when you're triggered, be specific. What's specifically about this is triggering me? Where's this coming from? So you can actually, okay, I can appreciate this is coming from something in my life. What is the benefit of that trigger? What is the benefit of that trait that's triggering you, I should say? It's made you stronger, made you safe, made you aware of something, taught you what you don't want to do given you passion to help other people not go through the same thing. It's given you something. No, no, this is a good question. Where do you express the same trait? And that one throws a lot of people off. This is what I was driving my brother. I love my brother, Tom, if you listen to this. What up? Driving down. I picked him up. This is my car. And you can imagine what I talk about when we drive. I don't listen to music. I just listen to like frequencies, like yoga frequencies, meditation frequencies and chat. I never listen to music. I'm like, Tom, who do you judge the most in your life? And this is those are the types of questions that I ask. And he says his ex-partner. I said, okay, are you cool with me going there? He's like, yeah, go for it. I said, what specifically do you judge about the most. I said, she's a liar. I said, where in your life do you lie? <laughs> he like took a step back. He's like, we all lie, don't we? I'm curious, Tom, what's the benefit of her lying? He's like, what? What's the benefits of her lying? She li- she's lied to you, right? What's the benefits of her lying to you? Does it teach you to listen and pick up and learn human behavior to pick up on what's good and what's bad? Has it shown you the parent that you don't want to be? Has it made you a better parent because of it? He's got a son, my nephew, Kobe. He's a rock star as well. And anyway, so started doing it. And then I said, the next question, who sees that trait in you? Who sees you as a liar? So you're judging her for the same shit you do, right? So why are you holding on to that? And anyways, that's kind of the process. So when you're triggered, to answer your original question, how does someone do the healing work? Be conscious when you're triggered because your triggers reveal parts of you you haven't healed through yet. And if you've got a lot of things, say with dad, with mom, with sister, with business partner, friends, whoever, you've got a lot of, I guess, stuff that you haven't, I guess, let go through or dissolved through, then you're going to be triggered a lot in there. And those triggers are actually giving you the warning sign or the consciousness to say, hey, 
come heal me. And if you don't, it will just keep triggering you. One more example, just to hit this one home, and then we can move on. But we're playing a board game, Cashflow Quadrant. It's a really cool game. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad's game, a board game. Really awesome game for anyone who wants to learn personal finances. I'm playing with a friend of mine. His name's Mason. He's an absolute rock star as well. And you literally have a pen and, uh, sorry, a pencil and a rubber, and you do like asset balance sheets and stuff like that to learn finances. And I used the rubber and I was rubbing out just one of my answers. And he went like, mm, and he made like this really weird noise. And I was like, what the fuck was that? I'm like, I mean, he's like, I hate rubbers. I'm like, why do you hate rubbers? He's like, I hate the the sound of them. I'm like, what the fuck? I can't hear anything. I, had, I was like, what do you mean? And, and he knows the stuff we're talking about. He's very aware of the stuff that I'm teaching. I said, you know this better than me, my man. Where in your life was there a very painful event happen and there was a rubber present? And he looked up and his eyes like bulged open. I was like, what is it? He's like, I was in class, grade four. He knew the teacher's name. I can't remember the teacher's name. Mr. Something. And he says, I was chewing on a rubber in class. And the teacher stood him up in front of everyone for chewing on the rubber and humiliated the shit out of him. And he cried in front of the whole class. I said, you know this as well as I do. What were the benefits of that? And anyways, we and we listed out heaps of benefits. And there was one that kind of like made the balance process happen. And I said, Mason, what's one of the, your greatest strengths? And, it was, and we got back to communication, making people feel safe to be themselves. I said, who do you think gave you or added to that incredible skill of yours? Because he taught him what not to do. He gave him the pain contrast so he knows what people feel like when they're super uncomfortable and humiliated. So Mr. Let's say Mr. Smith. So Mr. Smith made you or helped create the incredible communicator you are today. What a blessing Mr. Smith gave you. And he just like, <laughs> like he just let go of this thing. And then the rubber stopped triggering him. So the trigger happened. We're like, okay, you triggered. It was a small one. He just made like a weird face over it. And it's like, okay, where's this getting triggered from? Where's this coming from? And then what specifically, we didn't, I didn't ask that question, but what specifically is triggering you? And it was being humiliated was, was the word, was the trait. So what's the benefits of being humiliated? You learn how not to make people feel like that. You learn to be able to handle criticism. He takes on criticism really, really well as a human that he is. And it's made him an incredible communicator because he makes people feel safe to express themselves. So he wouldn't be the coach he is today if it wasn't for Mr. Smith. And then the rubber stopped triggering him. I love that. I actually am really curious about, you mentioned that they thought you had Asperger's. I mean, I think you're an amazing communicator. So who believed in you? Like who taught you to be a better communicator? Because of that pain of, because we go through life filling voids. So like if you've got a void around wealth, then wealth might be important, will probably become important to you later. If you have a void around your health, health will probably become important to you later. Because I had that void really early on of, I guess, the lack of the role model and the coach that I wanted to help guide me and help me with my levels of consciousness when I was younger, I've always attracted a coach. So football, mm. we spoke about sports. So I was always, students, I was I was great at school. Obviously everyone has their moments and I'm not always perfect. No one is. And But I would always be like, I, I remember at school, there's, there's a couple of teachers that really stood out for me. And there was one, I went to a public school on the Gold Coast. It's called PBC, big sporting school. And quite a, I guess, a rough, tough school. For, like in my first day of year seven, sorry, year eight, first day of high school, in the first week of high school, there were 10 fights in the playground. I was like, fuck me. Look what I'm in for. <laughs> like, look what I've signed myself up for. And I'm such like a timid, like shy, unconfident kid. I fucking hated conflict. So that wasn't wasn't for me. So I think it wasn't until like year 10 or year 12, but like I, I'm not a big built human. I'm more of a, I guess I'm like not average height, skinnier build, leaner build. And like playing rugby league for anyone, you play some very big human beings, some very big Polynesian humans. And it can get quite rough and, and there can be fights as I mentioned at my school. And I asked my teacher, Mr. McManaman, 
who I've referenced many times. And I said, I was in his class, Cert 3 and 4 in fitness. We'd have that as a class at our school. And I said, sir, like I'm doing so much sport because I was training like 12 times a week. I was doing a lot, a lot of sport. And I was doing a lot of, I guess, harder subjects at school. So it was hard for me to sort of keep up with the both. I just said, sir, is it okay if I'll meet you at school? I'll, I haven't got the money to pay for it, but I'd love to, I guess, learn from you. I'd love for you to, if you're okay, training me as well. So he would literally meet and he lived like an hour away from school. So he had to wake up super early, which is time away from his kids, time away from his family meet me at school he would train me in the gym in self-defense so Muay Thai so he'd teach me Muay Thai self-defense because I, I wanted that in case uh, things went wrong at school but also then help me with my my studies as well so and it was all out of love and all out of just being the person that he is so to answer your question I've always attracted people like that into my life because it's a void that I'm looking to fill so many football coaches along the way when I got into self-development Tony Robbins was definitely my number one that I first got into so I remember learning it, I don't think I think it's been removed off YouTube but there was just a video around matching and mirroring how to build rapport with people. And I remember watching, I was like, fucking hell, this is so useful. Like for someone who doesn't know how to really communicate really well, this is outstanding. Holy shit. Like, why aren't we taught this in school? This is actually practical shit right now. So when I got into the self-development world, there's obviously been many mentors of mine. Tony Robbins was definitely number one when I first started. Kerwin Ray, as I mentioned before. Dr. John Demartini is probably my number one mentor that I do reference and I, I recommend to people. I guess I just align with him the most. I see a lot of me and him and just the way he communicates I really align with. Dr. Joe Dispenza is fantastic. Dr. Nicole Lapria really- I just listened work. to Dispenza last night because oh, another one of my guests, G. Michael Hoff, sent me a meditation that he did and that yeah. he does some powerful meditation. His stuff is insane. I, I'm a goal. It's on my goal board to go do his advanced meditation retreat in Mexico. So- Oh, cool. Really, really, really. Like he, for guys, go down the Joe Dispenza route. Like he smashed his back in a biking accident, like shattered multiple vertebrae, was never- told he'd never walk again and through meditation he was able to heal his back and if when you just say that people say bullshit 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 it's like just go watch his story go go listen to him read his books and yeah becoming supernatural breaking the habit of being yourself yeah the other two i have done of his but yeah his stuff is fantastic since getting into the self-development world i've just been there's obviously a flood of so much development out there so i do a fair bit of learning every day has that rubbed off on your parents? Have you tried to share any of that with them? The book that I recommend everyone is, uh, it's called The Breakthrough Experience by Dr. John Demartini. What I just told you, how to heal the traumas. How, what's the trait? Where's it coming from? What's the benefits of it? Who sees that in you? That formula is in the book. I'm like, I read it. I'm like, fuck, like, you don't need therapists if you fucking listen to this. Like literally, this little, you don't need a th you don't need a, any therapist. Just give them this book, and you don't need it. So I bought all. I bought my brother, mother, father, and sister a copy for Christmas. <laughs> None of them have read it, <laughs> so they're not the self. My brother's starting to. He has read, I think, half of it. But I, I guess I've learned. I guess the more you push, the more they resist. So it was very defeating at the start, to be honest. Especially when for anyone that just first gets into self development, you try to like spew it onto everyone and to get into this. Oh my god, watch this, watch this. So I was definitely like that at the start. And I was kind of like very pushy with it. And I just, I've just come to terms to appreciate that. What are their values? Who are they? And really love them for who they are. And they're on their journey and they'll be experiencing their versions of, of triggers and, and wake up calls from the universe. And when they're ready and if they want to, and if they're inspired to, then they'll do it. I think we were speaking about that at, at the start. Like if you're inspired to do it, they'll do it. And I can be that example, which I, I try to be every single day for the people that I love and care about. But I have given up on trying to, I guess, I guess, force it on them. Given them the resource, I'm always there when they need me. If they ever, ever call me with some challenges, I'm always there to give whatever value I can. But yeah, I bought them a couple, I bought them some books. I send them some, I've got group chats with them. I'll send them like a podcast I'm listening to here and there. I'm writing my book. So I'm hoping I'm like, read that. <laughs> I'll be like, I've referenced you in the 
the book. So that might make them read it, right? So it's not a reason why, but it has come to my mind. I'm like, maybe if I write a book and I put them in it, maybe that will make them read it. So I've given up on, I guess, forcing things on them and I'm just allowing them to be the, the incredible humans that they are. And when they're ready and if they want to, I'll be there for them. But I was very forceful at the start and it actually made things worse. So don't force your beliefs on people <laughs> is, is, a, is a takeaway. Yeah, I would agree with that. And when me and my sister started becoming more into religion, they definitely were trying to push that on my parents, which I was like, don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Also, I know you talked about in one of your podcast episodes that you've had many iterations of discovering your why and your values probably as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? How that's changed over the years? Yeah, sure. As I shared before, I guess the journey I take clients on, it's what we do at the start. So whenever you learn anything and whenever you're taking it unconscious and making it conscious, it's never, I guess, quote perfect. It's, it's never fully there at the start. So like when I first did values, I literally wrote this like five minutes, 10 minutes before we jumped on this call. Like I'm up to the chapter on purpose. And like when I first did purpose with Kerwin Ray, that was five years ago when I first understood values, purpose and all that stuff. And it was like kid in a candy shop. I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. And my purpose changed. Like, I think it changed about 10 times in the first two years. So it does not that it did change. It's like my level of consciousness changed on what it was. So yeah. So it does, I guess you get clearer. A, a quote I use all the time is Michelangelo. He made the, um, the statue of David. They said, how did you make such a beautiful piece of art he said david was always there in the statue i just had to remove everything that wasn't him and i was like that is fucking awesome so you've got you your purpose is in you you don't go out and buy it off amazon you don't order it in off something else it's in you you just need to remove the shit that's not you because we've got our ego which is an identity that we've created about ourselves or who we need to be to be good enough to be loved to be accepted whatever it is and be able to dig past that heal that put awareness on that and dissolve that to reveal what it is is the process so when you first do it it's probably going to be an ego version of your purpose it's probably going to be a, dis a distilled or distorted version of it so by doing it again and again i literally i literally just wrote this Every, when you do your values for the first time i recommend doing them once a week yeah once a week for a month once a month for six months then every three months so i still do mine i still re redo mine we're um end of this month we'll redo it end of quarter three so every quarter we do it so we redo go from start to bottom values purpose mission vision redo the whole thing and the master plan what are our priorities for the next year quarter month weekday. So I still do that. I still practice what I preach. I still, I still take my own medicine. And to, I guess to tie back to what you originally was asking is get clear on your values. And for people that don't understand what I'm saying, go to YouTube, type in Lewis Huxtep values. There's a free video there. Just go watch that. And there's a PDF to download it. That video is probably like three or four years old. So it's probably an old version of it. I'm probably due to make a new one, but go watch that. And that will, um, that will certainly help you do that. And then from there, your purpose is an expression of your highest value. It's whatever the biggest void is, was for you growing up. You mentioned Asperger's for me. So I lacked consciousness on how to communicate, how to be myself, how to regulate my emotions. I was a very anxious, snotty, teary kid. I cried a lot as a kid. I was a very emotional young boy, but I didn't know how to, I didn't have the consciousness of how to regulate myself. So consciousness lack thereof was the biggest pain for me. So in my highest value is coaching. An expression of that is to improve the consciousness of humanity. So my purpose is an expression of the highest value. So for people that want to sort of do even just the first part we're talking about right now, go determine your values, which is on YouTube for me, there is one Lewis Huxley purpose. There's a video on how to do that. Take your value and it's an expression of that. The key question, what was the biggest pain and void in your upbringing? And that's a hard question to ask, answer, because your ego, which is this part that 
the identity that you've created for yourself, it doesn't like pain. It doesn't like, it wants to protect you, right? So if someone was to ask you a question around, say your weight and you're insecure around your weight, you've got wounds around your weight, your ego will distort it, deflect it, deny it, attack, blame, compare. It will do something to avoid talking about it because it's painful to talk about. So when you ask that question, what was the biggest void and pain in your upbringing? You probably won't want to answer it or your mind will actually block it out and it'll actually block that memory out because it's actually that painful. So that's why meditation, breath work, journaling, awareness, stillness on that question is so powerful. And that's why like you said your purpose, it doesn't, again, it doesn't change your level of consciousness changes to what it truly is. And yeah, like mine changed for I think yeah, about 10 times over the first couple of years. And then last year, year and a half, it hasn't changed. So it really defined and clear on what it is. And when I guess fulfill that, something might become more priority. When I have kids, my purpose might become to be an incredible father. I had pain around being, a, uh, I guess, my father and parenting and my relationship with my father. So that might become it right now. But for this- Yeah, I wanted to life, ask you a little bit more about that. Like please. how could they have been better? Like what did you need to hear from your parents? What do you me, wish they said? That's a great question. So everything has balance. So I, I had a really, I guess, a masculine father who was like, don't show emotions. He never said that. He never told me men don't cry. He never told me that specifically. I know a lot of cultures do say that, but he was very masculine, very work hard, pay the bills, bread for provider type of thing. My mom is like the most cuddliest teddy bear you'll ever have. So I definitely had the balance there. Like my mom gave me my safe space, but her downsides was she didn't have those boundaries and she got stood all over and taken advantage of. So that was the balance with my parents. So to answer your question, what I needed, I guess needed back then from my dad is a safe space. Because as, as kids growing up, the role of the parents, and again, listen to a 25-year-old without kids, it's quite interesting, right? I've got a sausage dog. So that's uh, that's my level of parenting. From what I've read anyways, I've done Vanessa Lapointe, if you've heard of her, she's a parenting expert and she's a doctor in, I guess, um, human behavior and stuff like that. And I've got one of her books on my bookshelf. It's one of my next reads and I'm going to be doing. But something I have learned from my studies so far is that the role of the parents is to create a space, a safe space where the, your kids can go out into the world world into the wild scary world fall over scrape their knees make mistakes hurt themselves and then have that safe space to come back to to regulate come back to neutral learn debrief put themselves back together then go out and and repeat so they've they can go out to the big scary world have a heartbreak have a mistake make hurt themselves and come back to that safe space i really fucking like that that ties into my biggest pain point as a kid. That was my biggest one, especially from dad. Again, dad, not conscious of this. I've had these conversations with him since to share that with him, but he was doing the best of what he, what he got. He probably got shown growing up that you don't share emotions and you don't, you don't open up that because that's weak. So he probably did that even though it's doing the opposite to me. So, so what I, I guess, quite needed from dad was very much the environment to feel myself and feel safe. I got that from mum in the balance. And then from mum, it was very, much having boundaries for herself and having self-worth for herself to not tolerate poor behavior from dad so those were probably in each of them probably the the traits that uh, i guess i needed a little bit more when i was younger and now those will be your gifts for when you're a father they are and that's why i love this this podcast because everything's happening for you not to you and that has been said a trillion times by self-development and positive thinky people but when you can actually apply it 
and see the blessings within the chaos and see the lessons within the pain, you're absolutely right. When you're at the gym, is it the easy reps that give you the growth or the ones that fucking suck and they hurt? So it's the ones that hurt that give you the growth. So those painful experiences that you've gone through, they've shaped you into the man or woman that you are today. So for anyone that is avoiding the work, you're avoiding the growth. Is there anything that you'd like to ask my dad? I'd like to ask how from your eyes could he be better? Because again, he's got his perspective of it. And yeah, I think being able to step into other people's shoes, especially when you've got the relationship that you do with a parent and actually asking them, how do you think I could have been better? I think is a really powerful question. I love that. Nobody has asked that yet. That is such a good one. It's funny. I thought of something silly. I'm like, he could use a mic instead of earbuds, but no, (laughs) it's definitely more philosophical than that. But what's interesting too, is that not only can we learn from our parents, but what I have learned through doing this podcast is that he can actually learn a lot from me. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Like, are you going to be open to changing your perspective and from learning from your kids? Like, will you take pause and do that? I think that's a powerful question that I think, unfortunately, a lot of people would say no to. But that's the ego, right? (laughs) That's the ego coming back into it. Yeah, but being open to understand and see other people's perspectives, especially the ones that you probably had a lot of pain between is some of the most healing and releasing experiences and conversations that you can have. I totally agree. Well, I'm looking forward to reading your book and you've given me so many amazing resources that I'm going to have to transcribe this to put them in the show notes. Please let people know when your book is coming out, how they can support you, where they can find you, all the good stuff. Awesome. I haven't got a date set. I know that's uh, normally a rule when you write a book and you're meant to set a date, but I would say by the end of this year, like um, I'm, I just moved house. I've been really cranking out since, since moving here, but guys, if you ever want to connect with me, Lewis Huckstep, just on Instagram, lewishuckstep.com is where I've got my courses and programs. If you're interested in those and yeah, just connect. I, I respond to every message. I do take a couple of days sometimes just because the amount of volume that I do get sometimes, but if you ever need help, just reach out. I love supporting people. I love helping people in the way that's meaningful to me. So yeah, if if you ever need any support, Lewis Huckstep is where you'll find me. Should we give him a little better call daddy discount? 100%. 100%. (laughs) Let people know that they heard it here and reach out to you and want one of your courses or something. Yeah. For anyone that is listening, absolutely. You get, I'd happily do a free session with you guys. So if anyone listening from you guys, if you want a free session just to connect. And honestly, I always say when people jump on the first and foremost goal is just to connect, just to connect and see how you're going. And if I can point you in the right direction, I can. And if I can uh, help you further with my services, I'll definitely offer them. But if, as long as I can connect and serve you, that's what I'm here to do. Oh, that's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. You've been an amazing Thank guest. You. Now let's switch it over to grandpa. Lewis is a young man that's overcome where, you know, he felt like certain relationships had inherent issues. The way to be better in the future is to overcome what your, as he would call it, his trigger points are and try to make them where they don't trigger him into being depressed or get him fired up to doing the wrong thing. It's just the opposite. He's using the adversity to trigger him to be what? Successful and to overcome these adversities and to make himself better and to make people who have similar issues or or trigger points and say, hey, you can find what that is and overcome it and become a better person and become more and more successful if you have the battle with yourself. 
if you have the battle with yourself and you improve yourself and you read some of the experiences that I've had and what I've experienced from others that have taken me in and mentored me, that I can help you also discover and be a better person yourself. And isn't that really the theme for all of us, that we really learn more and be able to accomplish more? And some of us get fired up when we've got big adversities that we have to overcome. Unfortunately, some people have adversities happen to them, and it caves them in and puts them in a bad spot. And sometimes they're falling and just keep falling. But the idea is that you have to continue to search out people. You have to be open-minded to people that are out there that will work with you and help you. How do you like how he had some difficulties with a relationship with his father, yet it didn't stop him from seeking out mentors or coaches? And the other irony here is that look how to have a healthy mind. Here's another story where to have a healthy mind, staying in good physical shape and working out and having a healthy body also helps the mind. Oh, yeah. I've definitely experienced that. I mean, sometimes I say I'm going for a run for my mental health. But that's the thing. And sometimes it gives you that pause to where you can be working out, making your body feel better. It gives your brain a signal of feeling better, too. So I think that it really goes hand in hand that people that are healthy body wise also have a chance to be healthier in the mind as well. So we really have to take care of our mind and our body to be most healthy. Look how your father right now doesn't feel well with what's happened with the COVID and these shingles. And then it makes me cranky. And it also makes me also where I don't feel good. And I'm sometimes a little snappy and not at my best because I don't feel good. My back is out or if I'm feeling badly, then we don't or are not as, as sharp at doing our work or getting along with others. The truth of the matter is, is that health is wealth. As you know, that's what Grandpa Abe would say. So we really have to stay healthy. We have to continue to think positively. And we have to remember that some of these adversities that we've brought up before, even in other shows, is that those that get in the game and don't let that affect them from playing the game of life and stay involved, they have a chance then to succeed because people that learn how to overcome adversity, it makes you a stronger and more skillful person if you go out there and get the skills and the knowledge that's necessary to overcome it. Now, his interesting question is, what, it's almost the same answer I just gave, is that what would I, am I looking through my own eyes, could I do to improve myself? And isn't that really the necessary step? Is to also be open-minded to listening to others. Sometimes the person who thinks he's the smartest one in the room finds out he might be the dumbest one in the room. So to listen to other people and to listen to other people's expertise is how you learn and develop and you grow. So sometimes the smartest person in the room is the one that's listening and not doing the talking. And the other thing is, is that you said something that was really sweet to my ears, is that you have to be willing to not only learn from previous generations, but you also have to listen to the new ideas of the new generations. And you can learn just as much from your children and your grandchildren as you can from your grandparents and your great-grandparents, that every single generation has a perspective that they're going through during the time of life. If you're open-minded to listening and learning and reading, guess what? Then you get many perspectives. And if you can do it hands-on where you, you get to experience it yourself, sometimes is the best lesson. The truth of the matter is you can get it by watching videos and listening to podcasts and reading books 
and going to school, but it's a lot easier if somebody is there. They don't have to hold your hand the whole time, but it's nice when somebody gives you that motivation and gives you that pull or gives you that support. Makes it a hell of a lot easier going through life if you don't have to do it alone. Ain't that the truth. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 